Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And more to provide improved access for everyone. But we need your support. Do you live within five kilometres of the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy? If you do, you're eligible to vote for us. Our project is part of the Victorian State Government's Pick My Project scheme. And you can jump online and vote for 3CR's Community Radio Accessibility Project by going to 3cr.org.au. It's only with your vote that we can receive this important funding to make our station more accessible. In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. 3CR's Radical Radio book is now on sale for just $30. You can get your copy of 3CR's book at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history. On sale for just $30. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. It will be hell on the giant today, Russell said my masseur, as he nursed my legs with his gentle fingers. There has, been, there has even been a deputation to Godet to have the start postponed until later in the day when it is a bit cooler. It's going to be over 110 degrees again, and 110 degrees up there on that giant will be like a furnace. Survive that, and nothing can stop you from reaching Paris. His words did not comfort me as I lay on the hard massage table of my hotel room in Marseilles, France. It was Monday, July 18, 1955, my 27th birthday. My celebration would be to go out and to face the Goliath of Provence, Mount Fontou, the lost sentinel of the Alps which stands in the middle of the Rhone Plain in the south of France. But, unlike David, I would not be alone in my contact combat, nor would a sling be my weapon for the duel. Instead, I would use a bicycle, 23 pound of eggshell-thick steel tubing, paper-thin tyres and a board-hard leather saddle.
That's right. Let's pedal those blues away. Sit up a bit. Take a breath. Take a look around. Backpedal a while. Why don't you let it all slow down? Now, step away from the bike because you're listening to Faith and Val on that Yarrabug radio show tandem. Good morning, Faith. Good morning, Val. <laughs> you are listening to the, th- yeah, the Yarrabug radio show, a show about bikes. Here on 3CR, many thanks to Amy Goodman and Democracy Now. We've got a show coming up this morning. I just want to share this with the listeners. Faith and I are sitting in the studio waiting for our guest, (laughs) like waiting for a train. I'm sure it's a coming. And that quote from the start is the first two paragraphs of Russell Mockridge's biography, autobiography that was, um, or one of the, or his his written account of My World on Wheels and we're hoping that um, Martin Curtis will get here shortly and we can talk about Russell a bit more in depth. Looking forward to it. We are too. Ah, Faith. Bike moments. Bike moments. My my bike moment this morning consisted of um, uh, the point at which on my walk here, not on a bike, I developed a blister and started really wishing I was on a bike. <laughs> That's what happens when you walk, you get blisters. <laughs> well, I changed footwear at the last minute. Didn't change the associated hosiery. And, uh, yeah, that was uh, – it was my bikeless moment. Bike, your bikeless <laughs> moment. Oh, how do I start this? At my workplace, I have got an electrical cable that descends from uh, up above the roof onto the isolated island desk. So around that chain of um, chain plus the electricity cables, I've bolted on and tied and cable tied a series of either old shifters or mostly front derailers and all little different ones. The customer on Saturday, who stood at the um, stood at the counter and fingered one of the um, front derailers and said to me, "Do you know what sort of front derailer is that?" And I said, "Well, of course, that is the Huret Jubilee, the lightest production front derailer <laughs> ever made." Of course, of really. course. <laughs> <laughs> He proceeded to tell me that he had the matching rear derailleur, Ah. but not a front derailleur. I looked at him and thought whether he was Hurat Jubilee worthy. (laughs) (laughs) And I proceeded to take it off off the chain and give it to him. Then I told him the story of where where it came from. At one stage, it must be oh, it must be fifteen years ago. Peter Moore at Abbotsford Cycles, and we will speak of after this will lead into, used to have a box of Huret Jubilee derailers, and you could buy one for five dollars. I think I built a succession of badly designed lady step throughs, and they all had the Jubilee <laughs> Huret front derailleur on them, the world's lightest production <laughs> of all time. Of course, when I when I told the young fellow that, he realised that I'd probably had about six or seven of them all the way through my life <laughs> and, and, and was probably a little bit... And it was... <laughs> 
um, and was her. Um, I think he was probably a little bit stunned to think that uh, at some stage that this thing so famed could be found for so cheap a price. But anyway, <laughs> and speaking of which, I should say. Um, Peter Moore had his last working shift at Abbotsford Cycles on Saturday and there was a lovely gathering of uh, people afterwards to farewell Peter from the shop and uh, to welcome Keir, who is the new owner of Abbotsford Cycles, on board and a lovely collection of um, Abbotsford customers, Charlie, of course, and yep. all the all the usual um, candidates. But I just wanted to start on this because we'd spoken about it um, at the um, at the Peter's farewell. That Peter has made a contribution to cycling in Melbourne, not just through running Abbotsford Cycles and running bike shops, but he with Alan Parker. This is going back to the eighties and the late seventies. They were all. I had Peter had the plan, the cycling plan for Richmond, hand typed and mimeographed, nineteen eighty two or something, with Alan Parker and all these people, going through all the things that needed to be done. So, Peter's been involved in that activism as far as cycling pass, virtually the whole time he's been part of Abbotsford Cycles as a shop. The other thing I should notice is that. Two or three of the bike shops around Melbourne at the moment, or certainly the last two bike shops I've worked at, wouldn't have been able to get started or actually survived without Peter Moore's wonderful mentoring help in all things. They would they would not have been there. So it's a bit sad, but it's knowing that actually Abbotsford Cycles will be had well the tradition will continue just we dips our lid to Peter Moore or people yep. like and Peter and the whole Abbotsford cycle thing for being part of Melbourne's bicycle infrastructure. I once asked Peter for a job in two thousand and three <laughs> and he he knocked me back. I said it's probably the nicest thing you did to me, Peter. It was wonderful and he joked about it. Well a truly and I'm just as an aside actually Peter is actually one of the best suppliers of stuff that he doesn't want to second-chance cycles. He'll put it in a truck and bring it down himself. Yep. It's not somebody who directs people to do things. Actually, Peter is somebody who does it himself. And there are not many people who have ridden seven Paris Breast Paris. Yes, yes. Just in his spare time. Okay, and we've uh, been lucky enough now to have our guest, Martin, make it into the studio. Um, welcome. Glad you could make it. Thank you, Faith. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's been a, quite a journey. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been one of those Mondays. We're just running through a couple of news items, but um, and then we'll uh, be talking to Martin in some detail, as we mentioned at the head of the show, um, about Russell Mockridge. Um, Good to have you on board. Mm, yeah. Thank you. Bring the cadence down a bit. You've got a bit of time now to have a yes. breath. <laughs> Martin, we have a thing called the bike moment, and it's a sort of description of one of those funny things that happens to you either on the bike or associated with bicycles. You turn around the corner and the gentle autumn leaves are scattering out of your way. Have you got something to share with us? Um, look, 
the um, the, the most uh, significant ride I think I've done recently uh, was the uh, Lilydale to Orbiton. Um, we re- revisited that after um, a number of years. I'm not saying anything absolutely magical happened, but um, it, it was a great uh, a reminder of a, of a great uh, off-road ride. And I know you guys are interested in infrastructure, and I, I thought I'd mention they've sort of um, made a better connection between the railway station and the, yes. um, and the yeah. beginning yeah. of the ride, which yeah. um, was a great a great improvement. So that that sort of counted for a yeah. uh, a moment, uh, I yeah. think. And there is a nice moment on that trail as oh, you, you head yeah. down into the valley and you get it all lie, laying out before you. It's I, I remember the very first time we took our son, he must have been eight, on a longer ride. It was that one and and him just looking and, and just sort of looking, pointing at everything in front of him and going, this is beautiful. Mm. Like, uh, <laughs> there's something about being inside the forest and the green cover mm. and the mm. fresh air, the different smell and taste of the air. Uh. Well, I just, uh, speaking of... Um, Forest and wilderness, maybe. Yep. Um, I'll just mention the Race to the Rocks started on Saturday and uh, down at Cockle Creek in the deep south of Tasmania at 6.22am. And uh, a friend just sent a f- snap of Sarah Hammond this morning going through uh, Melbourne Town Hall. Yep. So she uh, has made it over, completing uh, 510 kilometres of the Tasmanian section with... Um, Snow and rain, and a lot of hiker bike, um, and got on a flight to Melbourne last or oh, this morning. Um, Emma Flukes was second to finish the Tasmanian section. I'm not up to date on where she's at at the moment. And then Adam Lana was third to finish. There's been a couple who've had to pull out for different reasons. So I would recommend jumping on the Race to the Rock Facebook page where you'll find the link to map my progress and you can check. Uh, how everyone's going with that over the next few days. There we go. Not only can you ride during the day, you can track them at night. (laughs) (laughs) That's me for news. Say again, that's it for news, yes. We've got a much more interesting topic. I've got an elderly gentleman I walk around the park with, or actually he comes to Melbourne, I think, every second weekend to look after his grandchildren. And often we walk around the park together. And he said to me this morning, what are you doing? I said, oh, you're doing the radio show this morning? I said, yep. And he said, what are you doing? I said, we're doing something on Russell Mockridge. And David's eyes lit up. David would probably be born 10 years younger than Russell would. But the whole, that fame, or the fame and, you know, his ability to actually capture people. I could see it in David's face this morning. It was really interesting. Not knowing, I don't think David knew much about his actual cycling history, but it was a very much aware of what, I think Chris had said something to me before, speak to elderly women about Russell Mockridge and they seemed to change. That's an angle I didn't explore. (laughs) Well, maybe for the next book. (laughs) His effect on culture, you know, it was one of one of those early celebrities in a lot of ways too. Yeah, I I think um, that's right. And uh, uh, he was an outsider. 
I think that's that's one thing. Um, uh, but he was successful without the um, support systems and um, that normally, uh, you know, are, are attached to, to cycling and sport. Um, I guess he was an outsider on many on many levels, you know, culturally. You know, he was more, um, uh, you know, the cycling in the 50s, very blue-collar sort of world, I think. And, um, you know, here's this sort of educated guy from Geelong College who toys with the idea of being an Anglican priest, uh, but uh, eventually decides to um, become a professional cyclist because he was so damn good at it. Uh, and I think also that, you know, that post-war thing, um, people maybe were looking for, looking for yeah. heroes, um, looking for inspiration in, in, in sport, sporting people. And um, he was a very ethical sort of a guy, very you know, highly moral, I suppose you could yeah. say. He took issue with the um, Olympic. Yeah, well, we should uh, get onto that. Yeah, get on. <laughs> There's a lot Martin, of good, good angles. Yeah. Yeah, Martin, yeah. for listeners who haven't got a um, understanding of it, can you give a short pricey of his career? Born in Geelong, Helsinki Games first. Uh, well, London first. Um, I, I suppose I, what really um, sets him apart, I think, in, in many ways... He, he won, at 17, in 1946, he won his first club event at Geelong, uh, the, the famous Geelong to Drysdale, out and back. He beat the race officials back to the start. <laughs> um, the, the, next, the next year he was um, the Australian amateur road champion. The next year he rode at the London Olympic Games. Um, there was a... He was just an extraordinarily gifted cyclist, I think. Um, uh, and as I say, um, he there were always stories about him, you know, not cooperating with some of the, you know, rough and tumble tactics of of road racing and and uh, you know the the prize sharing the prize money and all all that sort of thing. He was an outsider. We try not to mention Sid Patterson on this radio show. I should <laughs> warn you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> because he was one of his confidants. So I shouldn't – we end up in Europe or I'm uh, fast-forwarding well, you a bit? Sorry. Yeah, no, look, I mean, I'm trying to be um, succinct as well. So so Helsinki, 52, um, very important um, Olympic Games. You know, again, the the, the Eastern Bloc was very powerful. Um, uh, Mockridge – it became the first Australian um, Olympiad, Olympiad, Olympian uh, to win two gold medals on the one day in Helsinki, which is just, wow. you know, remarkable. Uh, yes. um, the second one in a tandem Kingdom. event on a borrowed bike, bike. Uh, <laughs> with, <laughs> with, without a mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, all these, there, there's all these great rich stories um, yeah. that... I suppose talk about the era as much as anything. Yeah. Um, um, uh, then, of course, you know, moving, trying to move on. He rides the Tour de France in '55 um, as part of the Luxembourg team, but not really in the uh, the group that's going to um, be um, enriched. Uh, he comes back to Australia. He's really unbeaten, 56, 57, 58. He's the undisputed Australian 
road and track champion. champion. Um, 13th of September 1958, they set off on the tour of Gippsland. Five minutes into the race, he's, he's dead under the wheels of a bus. And so that's when the story becomes kind of. very tragic and yeah. um, a story of, you know, unfulfilled potential. Yeah. yeah. And with his wife in the car behind them as they were riding through the intersection. Mm, correct. It is a tragic, you know, ending to it. We should... Um, can we go back to the Olympic thing just because mm. he refused to sign the... Um, you had to sign a pledge that actually if you went to the Olympics you would stay amateur for the next two years. And for somebody like Russell, that was virtually... He couldn't start his professional career. Can you fill, us, can you fill us in? Yeah, so that's, that's absolutely right, because he'd planned to um, turn professional and this fidelity bond, uh, this promise to not uh, be... Because the line between amateur and professional was so... In, it was enforced, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, people's careers were affected by the fact that they'd taken a five pound and, uh, you know prize at a Lee and Gather <laughs> you know, cycling event um, in their you know teens or something you know so um, uh, in, in many ways you know the clash with officialdom was part of his story as well so anyway after there was when it became clear that he wasn't going to um, be a, a, a participant there was a an, an enormous um, public sort of uh, campaign to get him there, and Opperman, the, who was then a member of Parliament, um, anyway, they, they eventually negotiated a uh, a one year bond, uh, which he agreed to, and so he he arrived in Helsinki. The, the games had already started. Um, they, they, he arrived. Um, and uh, it was all, you know, the, the event was the next day or something, you know, this yeah. thousand metre sprint or something. And, and, wow. Uh, yeah, so it was it's sort of a, a bit of a sort of, it was a career that was characterised by, by these sorts of um, unusual no. um, events and particularly clashes with officialdom, I think. <laughs> what drew you to the story, Matt? Well, look, that's... Um, I grew up in that in the fifties, and uh, you know it was a. We lived in Albury, and and my father believed that he owned a bike that um, Russell Mockridge had had owned. Oh man! Yeah. And uh, but of course, as I went further into the story, and I interviewed um, <laughs> uh, the daughter, and uh, there were a lot of his stuff was was stolen, yeah. um, and of course, if you're trying to sell a uh, a bicycle, you know, if you're a second-hand bike dealer, you're trying to sell a bicycle. Yes. Maybe you load it up with <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. Load it up with a, a bit story. of uh, pro- <laughs> provenance. <laughs> There's no paperwork involved. No. Tell me, um, um, it's just coming back to me, there were two brands of bicycles and Russell rode for, wasn't Hallmark, was it? Uh, Healing. Healing. Healing, sorry. Yep. And um, The other one was Hartley, I think. Hartley and, and then, of course, Opperman was involved with Malvern stuff, so they were the other brands that were all getting ridden at those times. And all made in factories in Melbourne. Yeah, mostly Brunswick or Richmond, mm. some, most of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, look, this might be a, bit, a little bit out of left field. Cadell Evans and Russell Mockridge share a quieter temperament than most 
Australian sportsmen or champions have. Do you see the similarity between them? Yeah, I th- I think that's um, a fair a fair call. Um, I I think people I spoke to researching the book they were pretty pretty convinced that Mockridge could have gone on to be a yeah. a stage winner if you mm-hmm. know if yeah. of the of the tour you know if not um, a winner. Yeah. But of course they were they were um, national teams in yeah. those days. So yeah. yeah. You, you know, you Australia, really, nah. he wasn't going to ever be um, a winner, probably, but no. he could have been a stage winner, possibly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, and I think also that um, <clears throat> that quietness in the personality. Yeah. And famously, you know, Mockridge would, would say hello to his riding partner at 7 o'clock in the morning and say goodbye at uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's about all you got out of him for the day. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> but but that that wasn't to say. But I think that that goes to the fact that he enjoyed, as a lot of them did. He, he enjoyed cycling. He, he was in love with yeah. cycling. He loved the um, experience of riding. Uh, it didn't necessarily mean there was a lot of conversation involved. No, and I can imagine a boy from Geelong then suddenly finding himself in a Paris six day event. I mean the the change from one to another is enormous. And for somebody who is besotted with cycling. I can imagine one on a young man, if like, because he was very highly regarded by those French professionals. Mm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, he got a big review from the um, from the French media after the tour too, because he, you know, he rode. Um, he was sick to begin with. He they started off with, um, you know, he was had a stomach problem. Um, he crashed a couple of days before yeah. the tour in a training ride. And he, he, he finished it, yeah. um, and he got a lot of uh, kudos for, yeah. uh, from the French press for that. Before before you came in, I read the his reminiscence of lying on the masseur's table, getting ready to ride Von too, and the mountain was his Goliath, and he didn't have a sling, he had a bicycle, <laughs> and that was what yeah. he went to war with. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and of course, um, drugs is another issue yeah. that, he, that he touches on. It's his book, which I see you've got the book there. Um, you know, it's probably the first um, insider account of the the level of doping that was occurring in cycling no. in in um, in those days. And Luson Bobet makes the same things in Tomorrow We Ride. No. Talks about that the oppressive or the idea that you actually had to conform the team rules. Mm. Mm. This is too deep a topic for such a shorter time, (laughs) (laughs) Martin. What we should uh, go on, because you touched on the anniversary of uh, Mockridge's death is coming up very Mm. shortly, and there's a a great weekend of events organised in Geelong for Mm. that, um, with a forum on Saturday the 15th with several authors who've written about Mockridge, including yourself. Yes, and they, um, I haven't got the list in front of me, but um, there's a new book on Opperman. Um, yep. The author of that is there. Um, uh, yeah, and, and then there's a ride on the, on the Sunday, uh, a, a ride that yep. commemorates that... Um, Up to Drysdale. That, that, that first event that, yep. he, that he won. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the memorial for him, is that been, how did that come about? Is, uh, 
the memorial yeah, ride or, or the the whole weekend the idea of that uh, well I, I guess there was um, there was a 50th anniversary yeah uh, there were events around that I mean there's quite a bit of um, there's, a, there's a stadium or a, there, there are quite a few things in Geelong that are a tribute to him yeah and you know I think the Geelong advertiser is you know and the media down there are pretty conscious yeah. of his of his significance so um, it's, it's the logical place to yeah. mark the mark the anniversary yeah so, yeah yeah and, and if oh sorry no, no, no. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure we get this in in case some um, we often rush at the end uh your book russell mockridge the man in front if uh any of our listeners are interested in that where could they find it it's published by melbourne books and so you can you can buy it from their from their website okay and we'll put a link up to that in the podcast and we'll put a link up to the forum and the writers as well yeah Yeah. that'd be great Mm. Mm. sorry i'm freezing (laughs) that yet um uh, the two. Uh, What's uh, maybe uh, if you tell us, Martin? We've got just got a couple of minutes. Um, what is your favourite uh, recollection or discovery about Mockridge? Uh, look, I, I think um, one, one of the, again one of the things that makes the story so tragic. I think is um, that he had he was deeply in love with his wife. Uh, you know, he'd, yeah. he'd had a bit of a mixed, um, you know, mixed up sort of uh, uh, teenage time. I think, you know, he's yeah. very questioning, doubting whether he was on the right path. Then, he, you know, he meets Irene on the, on the boat um, to uh, Helsinki, you know, and they fall in love. And, and you know, his, his life really, I think, changes after that. And he becomes a lot more focused, and, and she's a great supporter. They have a child, <clears throat> and you know, as, as, as you said, unfortunately, the, the uh. Irene was following the um, the scratch group. You know, when um, when they collided with the bus, and I, I suppose the other, if if you if if there's a message from all this, is you know how vulnerable you know cyclists are. We you know can never mm. take our safety for granted. On the road, you know, here's the top rider in Australia, yeah, yeah. competing in a, a professional, professional race. road race. Yeah. Uh, they all expected the corner would be uh, marshalled, yeah, in some way, you know, controlled in some way, and it, and it wasn't. And um, uh, so, you know, they hit the bus. Yeah, they hit a bus that uh, came out on their right. And that's all we have time for today. Thank you very much, Martin, for making it into the studio Pleasure. against all odds. <laughs> uh, you've been listening to the Arabug Radio Show on 3CR. 3CR relies on the support of its listeners to stay on the air. So if you could donate or subscribe to the station, you can do that at 3cr.org.au or by calling 94198377. Coming up next is... Jailbreak. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.